0: Come to you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church, the luckiest man alive. I am so happy to see you this morning. It's a grateful house on Christmas Day. The very last words Warren Week said to me last night were you know there won't be any back here tomorrow, but me and you. That's what Warren said, y'all. Apparently, he didn't have confidence in our own wives. Uh, I mean, he thought that it would just be me and, and, and literally me and him. So, Warren, have you looked around? It's a, and our wives are here? Yeah, it, it, it's all good. Who's been up the longest? Who, who got up earlier than 6 o'clock this morning? Hands up. Okay. Any earlier than 5? Anybody up before 5? Awesome. Yeah. berries earlier than 4.30? Really? Okay, you old men with big prostates, just put your hands down because we're not talking about we're not talking about you. Anybody with kids like up before four? Really? That's awesome. What time Marksberries? 12.27? Twelve <laughs> twenty-seven? Y'all got up before I went to bed. That's awesome. That's my family right there, y'all. That's a good family. What time, Miriam? What time did y'all get up? Four thirty, Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. My father, y'all know, Don Harris has never said a bad word in his life. But the closest he ever came was one Christmas when I got up at 2.30, 3 o'clock, 3.30, 4 o'clock, going, can we get up? Can we get up? Can we get up? I mean, oh, man, I was that kid. So I should have been raised a Marksberry. I would have made a good, a very good Marksberry. Open your Bibles to Psalm 98. Let's praise the Lord together today. I do want to say a special word of thanks and love to my son, Wade, my wife, Casey. Uh, we haven't even had Christmas yet. We may have Christmas tomorrow. I've been at church two days, as you all know, and I'm not complaining. I love this. I would, I would get together with you all every single day of the year. I, I, I love you with my whole heart. But it is a kind of sacrifice that my family makes. And, uh, you know, it's awkward explaining to your 22-year-old son why Santa Claus won't come till Monday. Um, <laughs> Parents know how that is. So uh, anyway, Wade, Casey, guys, I love you guys. Thank you. They came to both evening services. are right here beside me. I, I couldn't do anything in ministry without them. And uh, I just want to want to thank them publicly. Uh, Santa Claus will come tomorrow. Wade, it'll, it'll all be okay. Uh, Psalm. 98 is where we'll be this morning. It's a very unique opportunity to preach on Christmas Day, to preach at Christmas. Uh, Most every year, you know, it only happens about once every six or seven years, depending on the leap year. Most every year I preach and preach and preach about getting ready for Advent, getting ready for Christmas, and then I come and and it's gone. Christmas comes and goes somewhere during the week, and so then we come back and Christmas is behind us. It's a rare opportunity to to sort of right here in the middle of things, right here before Christmas has come and gone, to to stop and, and, and talk about what's important and to talk about what makes Jesus coming glorious and still to talk about how it may not be too late for you yet, to receive and enjoy the greatest gift of all. So uh, Psalm 98 is where we'll be. This is not the Christmas story per se, but it is a psalm for Christmas Day. It is a psalm of praise and thanksgiving for what God has done for us. So let's read together. Psalm 98, verse 1. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown a saving power. The Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. He has remembered his promise to love and be faithful to Israel. The ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious song, with trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord, the King. Let the sea and everything in it up shout his praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. Sing a new song to the Lord. That's what the scriptures say over and over and over. Sing a new song to the Lord. What does that even mean? Sing a new song. Now, sometimes music ministers use this verse when they want to teach us a new song, and maybe that's got something to do with it. But I think it's deeper than that. It means more than that. It's probably something to the uh, to something to the note of when my dad used to say, "Listen, kid. You know, if you don't straighten up, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something to make you change your tune." Anybody ever threatened to make you change your tune? Listen, you better change your tune. That's what my dad used to say to me. Change your tune. Yeah, I, I think this psalm is about what it means to, uh, to change your tune. You know what I'm saying? It was close to Christmas and I was visiting at the nursing home and in those days there was an uh, old man that I loved a lot. His name was Ernest. He, he became a good, a good friend to me. I came in one day, and uh, as, as I was talking to Ernest, the, the, one of the nurses came in. And said, "Ernest, you got mail. You got a Christmas card." And anyway, it was a card. And Ernest said to me, "So, would you open that or read it to me? I, I think there's five dollars in there." I said, "Yeah." So I opened it up, and sure enough, it was a card from his family. He didn't have a lot of family. He had one, uh, I, I believe, a, a sister, and she had a daughter and niece. And this was a card from the niece. Ernest said, "I think I may have five dollars in there." So, I opened it. It said, Dear Uncle Ernie, uh, hope you're well and having a happy holiday. Uh, Just want to let you know we're thinking about you. Here's $15 for you. Really sorry to say we won't be able to visit you this Christmas, but hope you're having happy holidays. Love, Claudette. When it was over, Ernest was really quiet. I'd read that. He, he was really quiet. And it was kind of an awkward moment. So I, I broke the silence, as I usually do with something dumb. I just said, Ernest, you got $15. You, know, you were only expecting 5 You got 15 He said, yeah, isn't that something? He folded the card up and stuck it beside the wheelchair there. $15 didn't make him happy. He was hoping for 5 but $15 did not didn 't satisfy him, do you understand why Ernest was not satisfied was not happy with that gift? It was three times what he expected yeah it really wasn 't about the money at all it 's that last line we won 't be coming to see you. Hope you enjoy the fifteen dollars happy holidays yeah I guess the point is Ernest thought he wanted $5, but actually there was something maybe he hadn't even allowed himself to think about. He wanted something deeper, something much deeper. It's, it's Christmas morning. Many of you have already opened presents, and maybe you had high hopes and expectations for what this morning would be. But like a lot of Christmases, like, like most of the time when we build up our expectations in this world— Somehow, even when everything is matched, when our expectations are matched, it never measures up to what we had hoped for. Or, or when we finally get what, what we thought would satisfy us, once we get it in our hands, it's not exactly as satisfying as, as, as we had hoped. And as a result, in this world, some of us get very bitter. Some of us learn to lower our expectations. We just stop hoping very high. And we end up sort of singing the song in our life. It's, it's the same old song, uh, you know, same verse, you know, same as the first, you know, that, that sort of thing. It just goes on and on. The song that a lot of you sing would probably make a good country song, not just because we're from Kentucky and most of you are good country redneck people, but 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 the song that you sing is one of those songs about you know the barn burning and the dog running off and you know your wife whatever you know runs off with the mailman and you know the you know the corn crops ruined and you know that that, that sort of thing gloom despair and agony on me you know. But do you think it's possible that you can learn to sing a new song? Do you think that that's possible? After all of these years, as hard as your heart has grown, as much as you've begun to think that you know exactly what to expect out of life, do you think that yet your life could change? Do you think that even yet, even before this day, even before this Christmas has come and gone, do you think that possibly you could be given a gift that would not disappoint you? Do you think that there's something that could be done for you that would not just satisfy you in the things you thought you wanted, but could satisfy you deeply? Could you indeed learn to sing a brand new song? Because this is exactly what God expects from you. Not just expects, this is what he commands from you. He says, sing a new song to the Lord. Sing a new song. That old song you've been singing for so long, it's tired. We're done with it. Your greatest hits are are gone. You need to change your tune. You need a new song. And the new song comes straight out of Psalm 98. I mean, this is the song that your heart must learn to sing. Now, you probably ask, why a new song? Why a new song? And where does the new song come from? Well, look at Psalm 98, follow with me, sing a new song to the Lord because, because he's done wonderful deeds. You're singing a song to the Lord and it's a brand new song because he's done wonderful deeds. Now, wonderful is one of those words that we begin to take for granted. We forget what this word means. I mean, wonderful means simply full of wonder. And what's wonder? Wonders when something happens and just leaves you slack jawed. You know, like what? I mean, you never expected it. It's amazing. It's almost too too amazing for words. It's, it's wonderful. And the scripture says God does wonderful deeds. God does the kind of thing that you never expected. I mean, this is something that comes out of the blue. You didn't see it coming. You didn't even think to pray for it. But what God does is always somehow so full of wonder, so full of surprises. You never really know what God is going to do next but you know it's going to be wonderful it's always going to be wonderful so you can sing a new song because it's a song to the Lord because he's always doing something new and what he does is always wonderful that is what ought to change your tune you see the problem is you and I we sing all these songs about ourselves You just keep singing songs about what happens to you and how things go bad for you and all the things that are wrong for you. You can sing a song about arthritis. You can sing a song about constipation. You can sing a song about the kids running off. You can just sing this song about you. But the point of the scripture is you'll never have a new song to sing until you change the subject. Stop singing about yourself. Stop thinking about yourself. Begin focusing on God. And what you will discover is you can begin no longer singing about what's wrong with you in your life. And you can start singing about everything that's right and wonderful about God. And you'll never run out of a new song to sing. What he does is always wonderful, always marvelous, always surprising sing a new song because he has done wonderful things. Of course, a lot of that is memory. You're being asked to sing a song about what God has done for you, and you need to do that. You need to sing and rehearse all of the ways that he's blessed your life. You need to stop and think about this past year and all of the gifts that God has given you this year that you did not deserve. I mean, some of you have had miraculous gifts of healing, healing of your body, healing of your marriage, healing of your family. Some of your children are growing up and they are so beautiful and so smart and so wonderful. Don't you understand? They are gifts from God. And we forget that. When we continue to think about ourselves and sing songs about ourselves, we're not able anymore to sing about the source of every good thing. He's done wonderful things, and he's blessed your life in wonderful ways. Think about where you were a year ago or two years ago. Just think about how his mercy has rewritten your life. Sing a new song, the psalm says, because he's done wonderful things. We forget. And because we forget, we go back to singing the old tune. He's done wonderful things. And he's not finished doing wonderful things. The reason that we're told to remember what he's done, is to sing about what he's done, is not so we can live back in the old days when God was good. No, no, no. You remember what God has done so that you can anticipate what he's going to do next. He's always calling you into the future. He's not wanting you to go back into the graveyard of wonderful deeds. No, God just wants you to know what he has done so you have some idea what he might do next. He's going to do something wonderful next. Sing a new song to the Lord, he says, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. Let's sing about his power and you'll have a new song. His power, not yours. That's the thing. That's why we don't often sing about his wonderful deeds. Because if we're praising him all the time, we don't get to praise ourselves. If we're thinking about how much power and glory he has, I have to admit that I don't have a lot of power. I'd rather think of myself as powerful. I like to think of myself as awesome. But if I'm all-time thinking about how God is awesome, all of a sudden, my awesomeness starts looking pretty pitiful. He, He has mighty power. He has delivered us with His strong arm. It's not in me. I hang out at McDonald's too much, not for the food. I just I hang out for Wi-Fi and 99-cent Diet Coke, y'all know. So sitting at McDonald's and there's this little boy that got up to the door, you know, those big glass doors. I mean, this kid was like this tall. He's walking in front of his daddy. He got to that door and he's like, <coughs> you know, pushing at the bottom, <coughs> just pushing that door. Anyway, <coughs> just pushing. his daddy reaches over him and just pushes the door open. And the little kid's like, <coughs> walking in that McDonald's. He thought he did it. And Daddy just you know, he's walking through there and that McDonald's after that. That's your whole life. That's my whole life. God's just up there going. Yeah. His power is so great. And it's great for me. It's great for you. It's mighty power. And he keeps his promises, the psalm says. He keeps his promises. Some of you, your lives have been wrecked because you put faith in people who made promises and didn't keep them. Makes it really, really hard to trust. Trust. When you grow up and you can't really depend upon what your father says or what your mother says, when you can't depend upon your parents' marriage, when you can't depend upon the people who said they'd be there for you, when you can't depend upon the people who give you their word and their word turns out to be worth nothing, it it gets hard to trust. But Psalm 98 reminds us very, very simply that he has remembered his promise to love and be faithful to us. He Keeps his promises. I'm not encouraging you to put a lot of trust in people, because people will inevitably fail you, even the greatest people in your lives will, will fail you, but God will not fail you. He will keep His promise. Now this doesn't mean that you get everything that you want from God. That, that's not what I'm telling you, and you need to understand that. you're not guaranteed to get everything that you want from God, but you are guaranteed to get everything that He promises. So you need to know what He promises. There's a difference. Now, some of us have a hard time singing a new song to the Lord because we continue to be angry at God for, because we figured that he let us down. There's somewhere along the line where he did not give us what we expected or what we thought that we deserved or what we wanted desperately. And, and we hold that against him. He didn't give us what we wanted. We're never promised to get what we want, but what, what we need and what he promises. He'll keep his promise. Honestly, I want to think that there is a God with, with wisdom who is giving and providing for my life with some standard above just simply what I want and ask for. Because I'm not very wise. And you're not very wise either. You think you know exactly what you need for your life. You think you know what your children need. You think you know what needs to happen at work. But you don't see far enough to really know what needs to happen. You have to trust someone whose wisdom is, is greater, whose whose vision is longer. God doesn't just give us what we want. I mean, he's not like Santa Claus where you just make out your list and then come out on Christmas morning and find it all wrapped. That's not how God operates. And let's be honest, in my house, Santa has made some really poor choices. I could tell you about the year of the Furby. Y'all remember Furbies? I think they're coming back. We should do something about that, actually. Yeah, Santa Claus brought Wade a Furby one year when he was little. Y'all remember these these things? Y- y'all, uh, we're the only ones dumb enough. I mean, <laughs> that this Furby was like this little like virtual pet. I mean, we had like three dogs. Why well, we needed a virtual pet on top of that? But it's like this little uh, bird, furry, weird thing that you put batteries in, and, th- and then you get it started. And once you get it started, it learns apparently. It it learns and and it would like learn Wade's name and and it would learn and you'd have to feed it. It would it would like you know chirp when it was time to eat and then it would want exercise and you'd have to it would chirp when it wanted exercise and then sometimes it would sleep and it would snore when it would sleep. And that was cute for about two minutes. Eventually we had this little toy. It was just like one of those horror movies where like it could kill us in our sleep. It It never stopped making noise. It chirped and squeaked and burped and snored, and and it was just a nightmare. It was driving me me crazy, and it was just always in the house. So, wait, I'll tell you now, man, I murdered that Furby. I I mean, no lie. I mean, I tried, like, hiding it all over the house, and then finally it's just like, you you know, I mean, it would... True story, y'all, I mean that thing would not shut up. It, it would not shut up. I mean, whose idea was that? That was Santa Claus, y'all. Santa Claus, you know. He probably thought that was a really good idea since he lives at the North Pole and all, you know. And have to live with Furby. You know how many times in your life you've asked God for Furbies? You've asked God for something that seemed like a really good idea at the time, but if he'd actually given that to you, it would have driven you crazy. It would have turned you into a murderer. I mean, if he'd actually given you what you had asked for, it would have been the worst idea in the world. That's why I'm glad that God is just not up in heaven saying, what would you like me to do for you next? I mean, God is not my heavenly errand boy. He's not Santa Claus in the sky, just making his list and checking it twice and then delivering what I asked for. God is God, and he is far and above anything that we could ask for and imagine. And what he does for us is out of his perfect wisdom And his perfect vision. And he always provides for us everything he promises. And what he promises is to do us good. What he promises is to bless us beyond anything that we could possibly comprehend. What he promises is forgiveness for our sins and peace in our hearts and eternal life with him. What he promises is everything we need and much, much more. And he keeps his promises. You think you don't know how to find a new song to sing? Just stop and think for a moment how faithful he's been to you to keep his promises. One more thing. He's coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. That's verse 9. That's your big reason to praise him. I mean, that's the climax of the song. Sing a new song to the Lord because he's coming to judge the earth. Does that make sense to you? Does it sound like we'd sing a song of praise because he's coming to judge? Typically, when we think about judging, that that sounds like something horrible. That's the sort of thing the preacher, the preacher preaches judgment when he wants to scare you all into better behavior. But this psalmist says we're gonna praise God, we're gonna sing a new song because he's coming to judge. It's good news. It is good news that he's coming to judge. Because what that means is the one who made everything is coming back one day to make everything right. He's coming back to fix everything broken. He's coming back to repair this sick old world. He's coming to fix it because he made it and he continues to hold it in his hand. He continues to consider himself responsible. That could change your tune. Case and I have only in our married life bought one brand new car. That was before Dave Ramsey got up in her head and told her that was a bad idea. You know, we bought one brand new car, a Honda Accord, our first Honda, right after we got married. It was like, what, 88, 88, yeah, Honda Accord. I've never been in a new car in my life. When my dad said we're going to get a new car, you know, it was always like, oh, no, you know, don't even drive me to school, dad. You know, just some old thing. But, I mean, we got a new car. Like, with new car smell, it's awesome. The other thing about the brand new car, warranty. We got a warranty. Never had a warranty on anything. But this car had a warranty, and they made it very clear to us, listen, if anything goes wrong with this car, if you get home and there's something not satisfying to you, you just bring it right back. We will take care of it. Do you understand? The maker of the car was guaranteed to take care of that car for us. He's going to fix everything wrong with it. Man, I wore them out. That warranty and me got along really, really well. I, I was driving down the highway, and ding, I got a rock in the, in the windshield. I'm like, what? So I drove it back to the dealer and said, hey, we'll fix that. They fixed the little ding in the windshield, man. I'm telling you, I'm liking new cars in warranties. One day we got to the back and if if you tried to shut the, it's a brand new car, but if you tried to shut the trunk, sometimes it wouldn't really latch, it'd pop back up. I took that thing back to the dealer, walked in the Honda place to listen to my trunk. They said, we'll fix that. We'll fix that trunk. They fixed the trunk thing. They fixed the windshield thing. And if I went in for an oil change during the warranty, understand, they would wash the car. I was loving that. I got oil changes I didn't even need, y'all. I mean, because I just needed the car wash. I mean, this warranty was amazing. And then one day there was something wrong with the tires, and I put in the Honda there and I said, Listen, man, something with the tires. You know what they said? Mr. Harris, we need to let you know that the warranty is up on that car. I said, What are you telling me? <laughs> They said, well, you know, here's an estimate for what it'll cost to fix those tires. And I thought, I think the tires are good. <laughs> I think I can drive them. The, the, the warranty. See, there's this limited period of time where the maker of the car guaranteed to fix everything wrong with it. But once that warranty was up, it was on me. And I can't fix anything. See, this is the thing. The, the maker of heaven and earth. He has never, ever stepped back. He has never withdrawn his responsibility. He has never once said, I'm just leaving that world to go to hell. Let let it fall apart. Let it crumble. Let let it just continue to deteriorate. He's never done that. He has promised to come back and fix everything. It still all belongs to him. You, you still belong to him. And there is no part of your life that does not belong to him. And there is no part of your life, no, no part of your heart that is hidden from his view. And there is no problem that you have that God does not consider His problem. He's just waiting for you to bring it to Him. He's coming to judge the earth, which is just a reminder to us that the God who made us and loves us, He has not left us. He continues to come back and He promises to fix everything wrong. He's going to repair everything broken. He is going to mend every single severed thing. So, christmas for about this much longer but 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 it's christmas lots of times by the time we get to preach and 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 praise around christmas the idea is that it's already come and gone it's big build up it happens it's gone but 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 this is christmas It's, it's like pushing the pause for a moment i don't know what you expected you need to understand that Jesus didn't really ever just come for one day out of the year. He, he, he's come to give us himself for, for, for all time, for eternity. So, so it's not that once this day is gone, your opportunity is passed. But you have an opportunity today to, to let God change your tune, to, to learn a new song that you could sing. And you could sing a new song. But you would have to change your focus. You would have to move your focus. You'd have to stop thinking so much about what is wrong with you. And you'd have to start thinking about everything that is right with Christ. And when you learn to see everything that is right and good and beautiful about Christ, you will find yourself getting tired of the old song you've been singing. Sing a new song unto the Lord. He has done wonderful things. And he's not finished yet. Pray with me. God, we pray to you because you are the God who never disappoints. We don't always understand what you do and why you do what you do and when you choose to do what you choose to do. But, Lord, everything that you do is good and right. And if we don't see that now, we will see it one day. You are utterly faithful to us and always good. Lord, some of us in this house today, some listening to this message on audio or video podcast, Lord, they've been singing the same old sad self-centered song for a long, long time. They've sang it so long, Lord, that they've really stopped believing that they could even have another song to sing. But because of you, Jesus, because you have come, because you have been born, because you died for us, because you live now, and because you come to live in our hearts, we can have a new song to sing. You can change our tune. So, Jesus, this morning, this Christmas morning, we beg for that gift, the gift of a new song. Teach our hearts to sing, O Jesus, of your power your authority, your glory, your grace, the wonderful things you have done, the wonderful things you will do for us. Give us, oh Jesus, a new song to sing. In your precious name, amen.